Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 173 of the JimmyStable.com podcast is about why your calling isn't that important. That's probably going to step on some toes out there. Uh, hopefully it's a little thought-provoking for some of you. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Why don't we? What if our purpose, our calling, what we think we're here to do is less important than the type of person we are ultimately becoming. We see this live out all the time, I believe, in scandals in which individuals like pastors or other high-profile type figures who should know better and who we expect a lot more of are caught in having affairs. Some such individuals refuse to resign, or those that do get immediately placed on some sort of restoration track that promises to have them back in all good time. Our obsession with this sense of calling is, I believe, over the years, and that I've come to discern and see not only in myself, but a lot of people that I know, has more to do, I believe, with ego and being self-absorbed and narcissistic notions that we have about ourselves. That's not to say that God isn't involved in some of our sense of calling, I, I believe he definitely can be. But I find at the end of the day that even for the things that God has called us to do and the ministries and jobs and occupations that we feel a sense of him wanting us to walk in and to follow, that we can't help but get high off our own supply in the process. And as a result, we start really thinking that somehow we're really important or special, and if I might use some Pentecostal terminology, anointed, ha, glory. <laughs> and as such, that thing that, you know, we feel called to, to do and to become uh, and to walk in often becomes the all-consuming task of our lives that ultimately we use to justify doing some pretty dumb things. It gives, it gives us this sense of we have this get-out-of-jail-free card to misbehave and to do things that we know we ought not do, but we just, you know, can't help ourselves. So we treat people like garbage, throw our weight around, or if you're maybe some, like, uh, some TV preachers, you start living rich uh, off uh, your ministry accomplishments and uh, living the good life as a result all in the name of Jesus. And in recalling and reflecting and thinking upon these things um, in some conversations that I've recently had, um, I remember that there's this somewhat famous local pastor who had planted this kind of progressive-leaning Pentecostal church out here in the Charlotte area who had a lot of success. His his church was, I believe, at its biggest, uh, seven or eight hundred, nine hundred people, 
I'm not mistaken. Um, and it was rapidly growing and he was becoming pretty popular, uh, not only among uh, people here in Charlotte, but he was becoming uh, quite the individual on the social media world. Uh, his Facebook and Twitter were places that were regularly exploding. Um, and the who's who of uh, Pentecostals and uh, some other celebrity preacher types and authors and, and upcoming types similar to himself were all kind of starting to run in the same pack. And you thought, oh man, this, this, this guy is really becoming something. And you're kind of you know, rooting for him. And, and he was somebody that I had uh, much of uh, a sense of admiration about because some of the things that he would say you know, would just absolutely floor me and rock me and, and challenge me and provoke me in a way that few other ministers ever had. I could see why there was such an appeal about him and why he was making such a splash and, and he had such a great voice and, and what he had to say was important and insightful and just all sorts of good things about what he was doing in regard to his ministry and, and the direction that it seemed to be going. Not going to lie... I was something of a fanboy. Not quite. I, I, I've known myself uh, long enough to know that I'm going to avoid uh, celebrity preacher crushes because I know no good thing can come out of that um, when it comes to uh, my fellow ministers and, and people that I admire in the ministry. Um, so I avoided that, but the closest I probably ever got to becoming one was somebody uh, regarding him. And, uh, you know, I even went to his church, even though I was very active in another church at the time. I even made it a point to uh, go out to his church uh, a handful of times. And I got to meet him and talk to him briefly. And uh, was regularly engaging with him online. And we were exchanging uh, instant messages back and forth every now and then. And, uh, you know, I had some friends that were were on staff, were in various ministry positions at his church. And so I felt like, hey, I kind of have an inroad to this guy, an opportunity to talk to him, an opportunity to engage. Um, but uh, eventually things changed. This pastor who was kind of a bright and rising star here in Charlotte and in the social media world and, and starting uh, to write books and, and become somebody, he... Uh, eventually got caught in an affair. And his church blew up in the process. Much of his ministry and all that he was accomplishing blew up in the process. And he only resigned um, after basically intense pressure was put on him to do so, although he originally had no intentions of resigning. And shortly after all this happened, and he blew up his church and blew up his life and blew up his marriage and his wife left him and and all these sort of things happened, well, he got the idea that he should write a book about the entire thing. <laughs> because, you know, you just can't help yourself. You can't help but destroy your life and your ministry and, and, and your marriage and, and all your personal relationships. And when all that's happened, well, the next best thing you ought to do is write a book about it, right? Um, so shortly after all this, he decided to write a book about the entire thing, talking about his shipwrecked life. And having met this minister several times and having had this kind of history with him and knowing that I knew him and that he knew me, we weren't, don't get me wrong, we weren't besties or anything like that, but uh, I felt there was definitely 
uh, an open door or some sort of sense of that I could communicate freely with him and expect some return. Um, so I decided, you know, I hadn't really said too much uh, throughout all this. So I decided to finally reach out to him. And I said, hey, dude, like, what's this entire thing you're doing about writing a book about how you, you know, blew up your entire life and ministry and marriage um, and never actually calling out your own sin in this book, by the way. He, he wrote this book about shipwrecking his life, but never admitted to having an affair in the book. But he decided to write this book about shipwrecking his life and his ministry and all this sort of stuff and all the hell he went through and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't try to profit off that entire endeavor. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't turn this into a ministry. Maybe you should just uh, lay low for a while. And instead of trying to write a book and instead of trying to profit off of it, instead of trying to rush back into some sort of paid professional ministry of, in which he was doing, in which he was trying to make connections uh, out in the Midwest and to get his foot into doors at various churches and, and things like that, because so many had turned their back on him, and rightfully so. But there was still a group of churches that were willing to open up to him and, and to listen to him. And I was just like, hey... You know, dude, maybe you shouldn't do these things because, you know, it's just not very becoming of somebody claiming to be a Christian, let alone somebody claiming to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's passages in the Bible that, you know, kind of speak against some of these things. Well, you know, he didn't take any of my commentary very well. Uh, and he exploded it at me in rather vitriolic language. Uh, and at the end of the day, while he, you know, tried to say he understood where I was coming from and kind of confessed to, you know, the things that he sort of did in his life, um, at the end of the day, bless God, he was called into ministry. And if he needed to, you know, write a book, uh, shortly after his affair and blowing up the entire church, uh, you know, if he needed to do that, well, he was called and blessed God. That was the only justification. It didn't matter about his great moral shortcomings. It didn't matter about his affair. It didn't matter about uh, his regularly getting drunk and it getting caught on YouTube of him walking around the streets of Nashville by some street preachers who caught him and knew of his uh, affair and, uh, you know, noticed a particular sultry woman that he was with that evening. Um, you know, it didn't, none of this stuff mattered to him. All that mattered was his sense of calling um, and uh, sense of being in ministry who he was and his behavior, his shortcomings, his, his moral fallout, his uh, destruction of his marriage, his church, and all those sort of things, none of that ultimately mattered to him. All that mattered was he was called to ministry. And you know, I hate, I hate to say all this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hide his name, although I think I've probably given enough clues for... Uh, those of you who want to dig on the internet and find out who he is, uh, I don't mind if you do, but I'm just not going to call him out because I don't need to really draw that much attention directly to him as a person. Uh, there's, there's no profit in that because, 
you know, I realized that this is somebody that I had previously looked up to greatly, and it hurt me to see who he had become. Um, and now I realize that this man, even though he's the smartest guy in every room that he's ever going to enter into, he's just an idiot and a fool and some guy who's high off his own supply. He thought his purpose and his calling was the most important thing in the world. And he didn't mind going to fulfill and profit from it, even if his character wasn't up to snuff and he hurt a lot of people in the process. Because all that mattered was that he was called. And it didn't matter any of the, you know, I, I mentioned to him like, hey, what about these character traits expected of a minister as outlined in 1 Timothy chapter 3? And, you know, he, he just shrugged it all off. It didn't matter to him what the the characteristics of what a minister was supposed to be. All that mattered to this man was his calling. The man is a fool. Jesus taught that you're going to know people by their fruit. And as I talked about in a prior podcast episode most recently uh, about John the Baptist, you know, at, at the end of the, the day, the New Testament is very intimately concerned about the type of man a person is, as well as their message. In the New Testament, you cannot separate the man from the ministry. But, you know, often we get people pursuing ministry apart from their character and treating it as if it's some trivial thing along the way. And so you have ambitious leaders and, 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 and all these, you know, extremely popular pastors types, these men of God in the pulpit, these Moseses come down from the mountaintop, these people who hold themselves out as prophets. And they're happy to do so just because they have the gift of gab and can run their mouths. But you know what Jesus teaches? You can't separate a man from his ministry. You'll know them by their fruits. And the thing, the heck of the thing with false prophets is false prophets will keep running their mouths even after their character long lost its legs and ability to keep up with their mouths. And ultimately where many false prophets go astray is not necessarily in their theology and what they have to say. I didn't have too much in the way of anything I would disagree with this one particular minister and what he had to say once upon a time, although his message has gone very extreme uh, to a particular angle uh, since he uh, had his affair and got caught and lost his church and his wife and everything with it. Um, but I digress. That's not important. But where most false prophets ultimately go astray is not necessarily in their theology and what they have to say. But it's ultimately in who they are as people first and foremost. Once the message and the messenger take divergent paths, that's when one becomes a false prophet. They aren't merely someone whose message can be corrected. If, if that was a simple thing, you know, the Bible is full of examples of people whose message and theology gets corrected. That's not the concern necessarily with a false prophet is someone who's saying the wrong thing, although that can be a concern. That's definitely something the Bible brings up. 
But false prophets are false prophets because they themselves are false. They are false in who they are. They are false in what they represent. And they are ultimately false in their very way of being. Which is why in whatever one's personal sense of calling, whether to be to some sort of ministry or some sort of occupation or hobby, or who you are as a person, who you are as a person matters much more than the activities you engage in with your time, energy, and resources in the name of Jesus. Who cares if you're a great minister if your own family can't stomach to hear you speak? Who cares if you're a great artist if you are bitter to your bones? Who cares if you're a great business executive if you're known for having a wild temper and lash out at your staff? Who cares if you are the President of the United States if you cheat on your wife and are known for defrauding the people who work for you just because you can? The things God has called us to do isn't nearly as important as who He has called us to be. All of the activities we engage in under the sun are but a temporary whisper, a vapor, a striving and fainting after the wind. And most of us, we work hard. And we work hard to accomplish all these great things in our lives. But these great things that we try to accomplish, what sort of lifespan do they even have on them? Few of them last more than a year or two of the things we accomplish, let alone few of the things that we accomplish lasting the span of our lifetime. And even beyond that, few things are found to remain. Few of us will accomplish things that last centuries or beyond. A hundred years from now, a picture of you probably won't even exist. And your grandchildren will probably barely even think about you or mention your name or anything that you even accomplished with your life. Sorry to burst your bubble about the seemingly insignificant nature of all that you're striving to accomplish in your life and working so hard to do. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. And I think if you think about it, we all know this. So then, that kind of begs the question. If what we do doesn't matter or has very short lifespan. And and you might be able to argue, hey, you're a preacher and what you accomplished was for God and people are in eternity because of you and your ministry and blah, blah, blah. And, And that's great. Don't put too much stock in what your ministry is and uh, what it accomplished, though, in the name of Jesus. Because, you know, for all that you may have accomplished in Jesus' name, uh, you know, you weren't the only one involved in that process. (laughs) But, you know, it, it, it begs the question, though, what are we to do? If, if we are not the sum of our accomplishments and our ministries and our jobs, then what? Why are we doing what we're doing every single day? What is it that we're chasing after in all that we do? What is it that God placed us ultimately here for? If it's all so just fickle and of little value in the grand scheme of things. 
I believe that instead of focusing, and we have this absolute crazed focus on what we are called to do, I believe instead of focusing on what we are called to do, we need to focus on who God is calling us to become. And don't get me wrong, that's not to say that God isn't calling us to accomplish certain tasks, to enter into certain, certain occupations or ministries. I believe he certainly does such things. But even greater than what God has called us to do, I believe is the type of person that he's ultimately calling us to become. In Romans 8.29, the Apostle Paul says that God has predestined us to become conformed to the image of his Son. Task, occupations, hobbies, ministries, these are all things that are important. But they're all temporary assignments at the end of the day. But who has God called us to be as people? This is something that will occupy the entirety of our lives and live on well beyond us and even throughout all of eternity. The calling and purpose of our lives isn't to a particular job or ministry, my brethren. Though we might indeed do such things, but the real call, the real calling on our lives is to become more and more like Jesus to become conformed to the image and likeness of the Son of God. And I know in saying that, it doesn't sound too sexy. It doesn't exactly appeal to our innate narcissistic desires. We want to run. We want to do. We want to accomplish. We want to be busy doing things that makes us feel unique, valuable, and extra special. We want to feel anointed, and that is if God has got our back and whatever the task we, it, is, it is we are doing, because that is somehow what gives us meaning and a sense of purpose in this world. And we want to blame God on such things, because at the end of the day, I believe we're ultimately deeply insecure about ourselves. So we have to therefore imagine that God has given us this extra special task in this thing to accomplish in this world, this ministry, this job, this occupation, this hobby, this, this thing that we can put into action and do. But in truth, I believe on this side of eternity, we'll probably never fully grasp what it is that God put us in this world to accomplish. The odds are the real difference we will have made that long outlives our lives will be measured not in all the things that we consciously consumed with our focus and attention and all the energy that we spent on all the things that we did, but rather it'll be in all the little things that we did along the way that we even completely forgot about and won't be reminded of until the day of judgment. And we'll do those things not because of who we thought we are and what God wanted us to accomplish with our lives, Rather, we'll do those things because of the type of person that God was making us into along the way. And I say all of this as somebody who's got a very conscious and deep sense of personal calling on my life. One that I've had and wrestled with for decades. But you know what? 
at a young age. At a young age in Bible college, I realized as I was pursuing my own sense of calling and seeing my friends do the same and seeing numerous other people uh, do the same, I had an awakening about myself. And I kind of realized that my calling and my character weren't in very strong alignment and that I still had a lot of personal growing to do. That's not to say that I didn't go out and do things in the name of Jesus and that I just, you know, sat on the bench and, and, and I'm just sitting here to be waiting to call, you know, waiting to be go out on the field until my life is perfect or any such thing. No, 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 no. No such thing exists with me. And I think if you were to ask most of the people that have known me over the years, you know, they might find some faults with me. <laughs> I am human at the end of the day. Uh, and we can find faults with all of our lives, you know. But at the end of the day, I don't think you would have found too many people that would have been willing to blow the whistle on Jimmy and find some great moral disqualification about why I shouldn't go into the type of ministry that I was thinking about pursuing at the time. But you know, I knew me. And I knew who I was, and I knew what God had called me to, to be and to do for my sense of personal ministry. But you know, I also knew where I was in my own spiritual journey. So I chose, amongst other reasons, to set that sense of calling somewhat aside and to put it on the back burner. And instead of focusing on what God has called me to do, I have focused on who God has called me to become. And while I've arguably still engaged in a lot of what I believe God has called me to do along the way, it's never been my primary focus or motivation. Instead, as I focused on becoming more and more like Jesus in my life, little opportunities to minister have simply opened up along the way. And as I sit here and reflect upon my life and where I am even now in my own life, I sit there and imagine the disasters I would have caused had I simply made my focus on doing instead of becoming. And I simply sometimes wonder if I couldn't have done more. And I still wonder at times if I couldn't yet still do more in the future and fulfilling that sense of calling and ministry that I have. But the further I get along in my journey, I find those questions haunt me less and less. For the longer I am walking with Jesus, the more I become excited into the person that God is making me into. And the things that I accomplish in his name, while important, no doubt, you know, those sort of things just don't have the luster to me that they used to have. For who, am, for who I am becoming is infinitely, internally more important than anything I have ever done or will ever do. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not so much focused on what I can do for Jesus. Rather, ultimately, I want the man in the mirror that I see every day to look like Christ. So my question to you today is simply this. Think about this for yourself. What's a bigger motivation in your life right now? To answer some sense of calling you have into ministry or to some job or some hobby? 
or to become conformed to the image of God's own Son? And you know, I think if you were to answer that question, it's not one that you're going to have to search very hard to find the answer to. It's right there on the surface. It's ultimately a very surface-level question, isn't it? Because I believe the question is answered every time you look in the mirror. And it's something that others can clearly see in their day-to-day interactions with you. You know you and what you're after. And others know it too. So what are you pursuing, my friends? Are you pursuing calling? Or are you pursuing being conformed to the image of God's Son? Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 173. Why your calling isn't that important. Hope I've given you something to think about. If I have, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or you can reach out to me through the social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter, by going to jimmystable.com and simply clicking on the Facebook or Twitter icons and being able to find me out there on the social webs. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you just sit there and think, wow, Jimmy, your, your calling that you're executing is amazing. Whether you realize it or not, yes, you're becoming like Jesus. But you know, man, this ministry thing you have is amazing too. I want to give you five glowing stars to reflect the glory of the Lord on your ministry and your podcast. Ha! And I want to send you some money through PayPal or Venmo. Ha! <laughs> Uh, no, please don't send me any money through PayPal or Venmo. Well, if you want to buy me lunch or coffee or something, I won't be opposed. Uh, but, you know, go ahead. Leave your glowing five-star review. And if you want to reach out and uh, email me or get coffee or have dinner, uh, I'll let you buy if you want to buy. <laughs> uh, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.